This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, George Toman talks about Our Lady of Fatima. What is Our Lady asking of us? Why? What were her promises if we fulfilled her wishes? Well, let's find out. Here's George Toman. And hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome again to the One Body Show here on Divine Mercy Radio. My name is George Toman, and as always, it is a pleasure and an honor to be on the air again with you today to talk about our holy Catholic faith. Today, what I like to do, um, and just as some context about kind of where we're at, the, the time of my recording is within a few days of the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. And Our Lady of Fatima has one of a very close connection to my heart and to my family's heart. And so whenever this feast day comes around, it has a little special purpose. But what I thought I'd do uh, for today's show is whenever we, we get a chance to broadcast it, uh, is to talk about Our Lady of Fatima in context of today and how to think about some of our worldly issues in light of the teachings of Our Lady of Fatima, in particular her prayers and her request in terms of devotion. And I do so intentionally because I think that one thing that we sometimes forget in in the Catholic Church, and when I say sometimes, it's not that it's intentional, but maybe more so a lack of integrating the facts together. When we think about Our Lady's significant teachings, the, the times when she has appeared and has given some pretty concrete advice t- in terms of handling our day, Our La- Lady of Fatima being one, Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, Our Lady of Lourdes, Our Lady of Akita out of Japan, and the other approved Marian apparitions that have gone through the full scrutiny and have, have been accepted for both private and public devotion in the church. These examples that Our Lady gives us are very important lessons that are practical, that are meaningful, and as we're going to learn today or be reminded of today for some of us, is that if you do what Our Lady says, there will be peace. If you do what Our Lady says, the ailments that currently plague us will find their resolve. And I think that sometimes we get lost in trying to find the answers ourselves rather than turn to the teachings that are presented to us. And when we think of it in those terms and in light of those terms, we then come to the conclusion that if we can at least listen and act on that listening, then maybe we might might foreshadow or might help uh, ignite a better tomorrow. And so... With that said, I just thought I'd I'd share some comments with you about that using some direct sources regarding Our Lady of Fatima and also, um, as appropriate, some of my own little reflections on the matter. Now, the other part about that I think is important about one of the reasons why I want to bring this up in terms of of a broadcast is that we're still going through the the COVID-19 pandemic. And it is still alive and well. It is still affecting multiple parts of the country and also the world. And so, though 
Our Lady of Fatima's message does not particularly pertain, at least directly or primarily, uh, towards our pandemic. I think the lessons learned could be something for us to reflect upon, connecting the dots between a couple of church teachings that definitely make sense and that definitely make some conclusive remarks about why human suffering exists. And when we kind of combine those two together, I think we get to some kind of solution as to maybe a ways or a means that we can speed up the process. And so that's as a little introduction where we're going to go into our uh, 35 to 45 minutes together today. What I would like to do, as with with all good things, is is to begin with a prayer. And I would just like to offer one Hail Mary. Uh, I am recording this on Mother's Day. Uh, and so, again, when this will get broadcast, uh, we don't necessarily know, or at least I don't necessarily know right now. But, but nonetheless, it is Mother's Day. And so if you would join with me to pray for all mothers, pray for um, all of those expecting mothers, and all of those mothers who had who have had to endure uh, great suffering in their life for whatever whatever means that t- that takes on. Uh, mothers are very important. The the line that I like to use is is that the there is for every great man there is an even greater woman. It is something that the ancients used to, used to always say, and I think that's very true. In that, if there is any greatness in any man, you can contribute it to the woman or women who were part of his life as part of that journey. And so, if you would please pray with me wherever you may be at, one Hail Mary for all mothers. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary, Queen of the Universe, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Our Lady of Fatima. Let's go ahead and begin with some beginning comments about her. The the scene is 1916, Portugal. Three young children were shepherding their flock, their family's flock, and... As they were there, they got an opportunity to hear messages from an angel. And the three children, Lucia, Francisco, and and Jacinta, again, all related. Uh, Francisco and and Jacinta were were brother-sister. Lucia was was a cousin. But nonetheless, they were were together doing their daily chores. And as the story goes, they did their morning prayers very quickly. And then they went out into the fields with their family's flock to to care and and take care of them. And then they get messages from an angel. And the angel first showed up to them in the spring of 1916 with with a particular message of listening to him and also knowing that they have a very special vocation in the Lord. And then multiple times the angel of peace came to these children in the summer of 1916, the fall of 1916. And then in 1917, they get an opportunity to actually see Our Lady. And one of the, the miracles that is attributed to Our Lady of Fatima, it happens on October 13, 1917, the miracle of the sun. Uh, we celebrated 100 years of that not too long ago here. And this was a historical event. There are documents that are embedded now throughout history in, in libraries and whatnot that talk about this miracle of the sun. There were thousands and thousands of, of pilgrims and others who were curious about 
uh, the promises that Our Lady gave to these children. And then on October 13th, 1917, they show up and it's, it's raining. And in fact, it was raining very significantly. Everyone was wet. And then they saw the sun do something absolutely miraculous. And then soon after that, everything was dry, almost as everything was made pure. And even those who were skeptics, even those who have no reason to, to believe in God or in miracles, they themselves testified through the written word that what they saw was truly a miracle, that they could not attribute uh, what was going on or, or contribute what was going on uh, to something that was made of man. And in fact, there's been hypotheses driven about the kind of energy needed to basically make everyone dry after so much rain. And it, w- it would come out to be equivalent uh, to a nuclear weapon, if not more, to be able to get the amount of heat needed to, to actually cause what occurred that day. And so basically, I share all of that to help reinforce the fact that this was a, a true miracle that historically people have um, accepted, even if you were not under the persuasion of God or his holy church. But most importantly, outside of that event, though, the message of Our Lady of Fatim was very, very significant. And that is the one that I want to at least briefly bring up today. We are not going to go through a full theological or historical attempt to defend or talk about Our Lady of Fatima. We're just going to cover the the important parts and then talk about the practical application for today. There's, I encourage you to, to look at EWTN, uh, do a quick search on your favorite internet search engine on Our Lady of Fatima. Go to a reputable, authentic Catholic site, and trust me, you will find a lot of information on Our Lady of Fatima. So you can do that on your own time if you're curious. But some of the things that these children were taught from both the angel and also from our Blessed Lady is, number one, console your God. This is one of the first messages that the angel gave to the children. It's one of the messages that Our Lady pleaded with these children to, to pray for and to, to very much console God himself because the sins of man were becoming so grave, so frequent, and so, and so many that uh, God in his wrath was going to allow certain things to happen that could very well be prevented if we simply console his heart. And this is now I want to take a brief sidebar. I want to talk about what exactly this console your God concept means. And I have done a talk or two about this in the past. And and if you're a frequent listener to Catholic radio, you yourselves will have also heard this teaching every now and then, but it's it's the topic of reparation. What does it mean to give reparation to God? And this this concept of of reparation is not new. A quick definition for excuse me, a quick definition for us to to look at is reparation being an act of love to God to help make up for someone's failure or refusal to love him. Now I want to also bring us back to the the concept of the Trinity, one God in three divine persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We use the word person intentionally in the church and, and, and all of the many Christian denominations, in fact, will, will, will follow under understanding the Trinity as one God and three divine persons. Now, with a person, for lack of a, of a better phrase to use here, uh, just think of a person as, as one of us. Okay, We are persons. And because of that, we have... We have a soul, and in that soul, it, it has it has certain characteristics about it, right? And even 
with our physical body, the things that our brain does and the things that, that the other parts of our genetics make up, when you think about a person, it's not a God of an idea. And that's what we're trying to get at here. God is not some abstract idea that is high in the heavens, and the only way you can get to him is if you do all these different things and have all this intelligence. No, that, that's not what God is. What God is is that he's a person, and he desires friendship with us. And if you were to take a moment and reflect upon your own life, think about the many people in your life that you truly love and that they truly love you back. There's a sense of trust. There's a sense of relationship. There's a sense of belonging, purpose, identity even, in some circumstances. Now, what I want you to do is take that example too and imagine that if you had people, whether it be in your family or friends, that continually did actions that were against that bond, that were against that being, how would you feel? And and I would argue that if you're anything like me, you would feel very disappointed. Sometimes you'd feel downright angry. Sometimes you'd feel downright sad, using psychological terms, depressed, anxious, and whatnot. But with reparation, that's what we're kind of getting at. We, our understanding in the Catholic Church of, of, of the Trinitarian God, in particular God the Father and God the Son, is this. That they, they have a heart in, the, in this sense. The heart being this very significant and true bond to unite humanity together, to fulfill in full what our Lord did at the cross 2,000 years ago. And because of that, when people offend God, when people offend the sacred heart of Jesus, when people offend the teachings of the gospel message, it is a direct insult. It is a direct pain to God himself. And that pain, similar to our pain when someone directly insults us, is one of wrath. And when we think of it in those terms, it it really helps us kind of bond this unique perspective of God being truly desiring relationship with us. Because in a relationship, it's not only us going to him, but also he coming to us. And so if you're able to kind of follow me here, then here's the concept with reparation. When people tick off God, to put it in very simplistic terms, God does not appreciate it. And not only does he, does he not appreciate it, but there are times when there are sins and other things happening so fre- frequently or so egregiously that God might allow certain consequences to occur based on those sins. And one of the things that was occurring in those days and what was soon to come, as we know from history, from World War II and onward, was a very serious and very intentional attack on God's children, particularly those who, whether you be the lay faithful or the clergy, if you named yourself Christian, you were bound to the stake, you were bound to death. In fact, in the first years of, of communist Russia, you could have taken the deaths that occurred there in terms of martyrs, and that would have exceeded all other years of Christianity leading up to that point combined in terms of deaths of martyrs of people who were claiming to be Christian. That's how significant this time frame was. And Our Lady was warning us that if we did not console God's heart, if we did not take time to, to truly be in relation with, relationship with him and tell him straight out, I am sorry, Lord, for what is happening to you. I am here to comfort you in my own little way as you have asked then God, in his wrath, 
might have done something very significant or would have allowed something very significant to occur. And history would show that he kind of did with the results of World War II and then the Cold War. But beside the point of that, when you think about consoling God, some might might bring up the objection and go, well, how can a lowly person like me console the almighty, infinite God the Father? That just seems downright impossible. Well, it is impossible if we just do it in our own human terms. But if we do it in godly terms, if we do it in the ways that Our Lady desires us to, then all of a sudden we take on through faith that supernatural ability within us, again, faith, that God gives and then we must use. And he uses that and then that is a means for us to actually have this conversation and have this faithful desire to console the heart of our Lord. And I want to also, again, try to connect this to human terms, because it's a lot easier this way rather than going for the full theological mumbo-jumbo of it all. If you think of it in terms of a human relationship, think about the many times that you felt betrayed, again, rejected, whatever the case may be, where you had anger or significant sadness in your heart for what was happening to you from others. You might have had, I imagine, that one friend or that one person that you truly trusted, that you had a very good relationship with, that said, hey, I know this is happening to you, but maybe you can find it in your heart to forgive them. Or just by simply having that consolation with that individual helped you go from incredibly angry to then being able to tolerate it, or at least have some kind of common sense about what was going on. And that same dynamic that happens between friends on earth is exactly what we can do with God the Father in terms of acts of reparation, where we can console the heart of Jesus who again, in our interaction with Jesus, we meet the Father. And in that, we might be able to console, just as any friend would, the heart of Jesus. To where basically, through prayers and other sacrifices, we simply tell God in our own little way, My Lord, I am so sorry for what is happening to you. And though I am not the one causing it, I pray sincerely that you will find it in your heart, that at least in this presence, that I am with you right now, to lessen the pains and anxiety of your heart, for you are a just and merciful God. And see, those moments, when we would take that time to, to sacrifice and take that time to reflect in prayer, are very pleasing to our Lord. And Our Lady, along with the angel of peace, said very clearly, console your God. Console your God. Other things that were very significant during that time period in terms of teaching was to help people understand that there was the reality of hell that, and I'm going to quote from one of my favorite books on Fatima, and I I strongly suggest that if you're listening to this, go to your local Catholic bookstore. If you're there in Hayes or the surrounding uh, area, please go to the messenger to, to Hayes messenger to take a look at this, but it's from the late Father Andrew Apostoli. The title of the book is called Fatima for Today, the Urgent Marian Message of Hope. And, um, my copy of the book, I was very fortunate. I, I got this when I was at the Midwest Catholic Family Conference in Wichita about four or five years ago. And it's a signed copy. And Father Andrew was there as one of the main talkers and also presided Mass uh, one of those days during the conference. But in the book, he mentions that simply denying that there is a hell does not make it go away. And I thought that was very profound because it's very true. We have some people in the Christian faith who will say hell does not exist. Now, again, you can deny it, that it's there, but it doesn't mean it'll just go away. And so there's some teaching that we have to do. But nonetheless, to remind people that there is a hell, not necessarily to primarily scare them, even though for some that that will work in the sense of, of turning their hearts around, but it's usually not 
the most preferred method. But to understand that there is a hell means that love is still a choice. Love is still a choice of everything, which is God, or nothing, which is hell. And because we have a choice, we need to choose the things of God and not of those things that lead to nothingness, as what the philosophers would say. Other things going on in terms of teaching are really important to remember that because of the, of the grave sins that were occurring and could very well occur, Our Lady pleaded that Russia be consecrated to her to help prevent Russia from having those errors that would help lead the world astray. Our Lady pleaded that we pray for our bishops, for our priests, and for our religious, because they are the ones who are to lead us in the faith. And if we do not pray for them, then who will? And so we need to pray for them. Also dedication to her in, in devotion, but also in praying that of the rosary, having a devotion to that every single day, praying at least five decades of the rosary, and doing so very faithfully, meditating on the mysteries of the rosary, going to confession, and receiving communion frequently, primarily for the reparation of sins, particularly those not only against the Sacred Heart of Jesus, but also Mary's Immaculate Heart. And Our Lady promises that if you are to do these things, if you are to follow what she has to say, that Our Lady makes it very clear. She says, if what I say to you is done, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. Again, let me say that again. If what I say to you is done, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. What I said at the very beginning now hits home very much here. When we take these teachings seriously of Mary, souls will be saved, which is our primary duty here on earth. Everything else has a secondary effect, but our primary duty is to save souls. And there will be peace. And when you think about peace, not only do you think of it on a global scale, but maybe most importantly, you think of peace in the more individual scale, meaning that there will be peace. There will be peace in our hearts. If you are someone who has had trouble many years with sin, many years with a, with a bad family life, whatever the case may be, follow what Our Lady says, there will be peace. And that in and of itself, that conversion of heart towards peace is huge. It's huge, absolutely vital, because that's what's going to lead us closer to the Father, and it will actually then impact our world. So what I want to do now is I want to reflect on two things. The prayers that Our Lady taught us through this interaction in terms of her her multiple apparitions and teachings that she gave to Lucia, Jacinta, and Francisco. But then I also want to take in the Five Saturdays devotion, which is a direct response to Our Lady's desire to have people make forms of reparation for the blasphemies committed against her, her immaculate heart, which in turn basically were offenses to um, her son's heart, to the sacred heart of Jesus. So we're going to spend, after we get back from break, the, the parts of prayer and teachings from Our Lady and help connect it to our day. So again, you're listening to The One Body Show, Divine Mercy Radio. This is George Tolman. Please stick around. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the One Body Show here on Divine Mercy Radio. When we left 
for a break and, and got a word from our sponsors and whatnot. We talked about the significance of Our Lady, some things, but primarily the, the ideas of reparation and, and consoling God. And now what we're going to do is we're going to dig deeper into that a little bit. And for many of you, this part you're going to know, especially if you're a frequent goer to church and a frequent listener to Catholic Radio, you're going to hear a lot of similar things. For those of you who might be new, these these definitely might be new teachings to you, which is great. But then what I want to do most importantly is kind of connect that to our current day and how even though the response of Our Lady of Fatima wasn't necessarily driven towards what was happening in 2020, I will argue that we can take these teachings and still get the same desired effect, even though our suffering looks a little bit different than what it did back in 1917. So let's take a look at a couple of the prayers that Our Lady taught the children there at Fatima. And the one I'm going to start with is the one that we hear commonly after the rosary, or during the rosary, I should say, not after. And 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 it's the decade prayer that Our Lady taught in July of 1917, and it goes like this, Oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those most in need of your mercy. Now we say this, you know, as soon as we start getting into the main decades of the rosary, after we get done with, with the glory be, we, 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 we do this, this prayer. And we hear it often when the rosary is recited, of course, but I want to focus on the second half of the prayer. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those most in need of thy mercy. Notice how we don't say in that prayer, lead all souls to heaven, especially us who are coming to church all the time. Or lead all souls to heaven, especially those who are the most virtuous. We are pleading, and Our Lady teaches us this prayer, lead all souls to heaven, especially those most in need of your mercy. We are begging our Lord, through the intercession of Our Lady, those who especially need your mercy, O Lord, who are especially offending your sacred heart, who are especially sinning and leading other people to grave sin, please, please, please lead them to heaven. I don't know if you've ever, again, taken time to really absorb what you're praying, but that's what you're saying. You're saying that the most egregious sinner on this planet, Lord, I offer this prayer to you, bring them to the pearly gates. Now, for starters, I want to say that's a very bold, beautiful prayer, isn't it? But I also am going to say that do we really absorb the message that we're saying? Or is it just words, lip service that comes out of our mouth? We are praying this prayer not because we're hoping that all the virtuous get to heaven. We're praying this prayer in light of that there are many people in the world who are choosing grave sin and choosing the journey to hell. And we are praying to God, please, please, O Lord, in your great mercy, bring them to heaven. Now, if we could just take that prayer and manifest it more permanently in the actions we do in life, I think we'd have a better world. But right now as it is, obviously we don't. But when we pray this prayer, we need to be reminded of the fact that this is what we're asking our Lord. And when we're asking our Lord of this beautiful conversion, we must also remember that sometimes we are asked, you and I, to be the main instruments to help God get to those people. Because many of us, I'm sure, have a friend or a former friend who, because of whatever reason, are choosing the route of darkness. And if we truly want to live up to our baptismal message, 
we are being called by God to pray for that soul. Now, before we get too far into it, I don't want you to go so far to say that you need to go out and save this person. Otherwise, you're going to hell for not bringing them, bringing them to heaven with you. That's not where we want to go, and that's not what we want to think. We want to provide actions to help people come to God. If those actions are not enough, always remember that we don't do any converting. God himself does. And so then we turn to prayer. And that's why the rosary is such a beautiful prayer. And one of the reasons why Our Lady brings it back to the forefront here in 1917. Because when we make a dedicated life to praying the rosary, praying the scriptures, doing Lectio Divina, praying the Mass, participating at Mass, etc., what happens is that we participate in the graces that help lead the hardness of hearts to convert. And we need to bring that to the forefront in our prayer life because the more people choose light rather than darkness, the better this world will be. It's always been that way. It hasn't changed. We have more Bibles than we've ever had in the history of mankind. We have the greatest technology that can literally connect us across the entire international community, but yet the fact is, things still have not changed. If we desire peace, we must desire the conversion of heart. And if our words and actions aren't enough, that's when God the Father says, all right, give it to me and I'll deal with it. And so this is a big part of our evangelical fervor, right? Our zeal to bring people to Christ. And praying the Fatima prayer, Oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of your mercy. That leads to that ultimate peace that we desire. Now, there's a couple other prayers I want to quickly mention. Pardon prayer, which is one of the favorites that I actually, I have now prayed as part of my rosaries. And I hope maybe for a few of you, you'll think of it as well. But it's the pardon prayer that happens right at the beginning, spring of 1916. One of the first encounters of of the angel of peace with the, the three children of Fatima. And the prayer goes like this. My God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. Again, hear the words of that prayer. My God, I believe, adore, hope, and love you. And I beg pardon for all those who do not believe, who do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. Again, it's that form of reparation, right? Lord, I am a friend of yours. I thank you for being my God. But there are others who aren't. Please do not be offended at them. Beg pard I beg pardon for them and pray for your mercy upon them. Now, again, if, if you're a friend, right, and you hear those words, just like when we have a friend and they'll turn to you and go, hey, that person just doesn't understand, or that person doesn't get the full story, so don't hold their opinion with that much weight. That calms our heart down, doesn't it? Same here is for God the Father. Same exact thing. In Fatima, we're asked to bring these prayers to the forefront of reparation. One quick, one quick prayer that I'm going to get to the five the five Saturdays devotion. This is directly from Our Lady at the same time of the, of the what we now know as the Fatima prayer, but it's the decade prayer after the rosary. It's called the sacrifice prayer. Oh Jesus, this is for love of you, for the conversion of poor sinners and in reparation for the offenses committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. This is a very specific sacrifice prayer. And what you do of this prayer is that if you ever have, you know, if you're ever going through any kind of suffering, I mean, I don't care if it's finances, if it's your own personal life, it's if it's an individual, whatever it is, you just offer this prayer. Oh Jesus, this is for love of you. This suffering is for love of you, for the conversion of poor sinners and a reparation for the offenses committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Again, you might do a formal sacrifice or it might just be something you're willing to offer up to the Lord, but you offer that prayer. 
And again, that spirit of reparation that we're discussing, very beautiful, very profound, very much needed. Now, with the five Saturdays devotion, I want to quickly talk about that. The five first Saturdays, I should say. For those of you who practice this devotion, it's a very powerful one. Um, it's a very powerful one because Our Lady seems to be very pleased with this devotion. After all, it did come out of her own mouth. And what you do is that for the first five Saturdays, so it doesn't necessarily matter when, but for the first Saturday, for five consecutive Saturdays, you will make a promise to God through your actions. And there are four things that you do as part of this devotion, and then two conditions that go along with it. And the conditions are important to bring up first because these are the these are the things that must that must be always thought about as you do the devotion to keep yourselves in the right demeanor. But the first condition is that you do this devotion on the first Saturday of five consecutive months. Okay, first Saturday of five consecutive months. So if you do it in February, again February, March, April, May, June. You be you be done in June, but you but again you do it for five consecutive months, and then uh, condition number two is your primary intention. And again, you might have other intentions as well. You might use this as a brief form of a novena or something. But a, a primary intention is to make reparation to Our Lady for the sins of blasphemy and ingratitude against her. So when you go into this devotion, the primary reason why you're doing it is not because you need more money to help your family. It's not because you're trying to help resolve something in your family life. The primary intention is for you to offer reparation to Our Lady for the sins committed against her, the blasphemy and the ingratitude against her. Now I say sins against her, let me, let me correct that real quick because that's not true. The sins of blasphemy and ingratitude against her are when we take her teachings and especially the reality of our Blessed Lady, and we don't follow them to the point of being ingratitude about or whatever. So like, for instance, the Immaculate Conception, her perpetual virginity, okay? Those are some big ones. Even her divine motherhood, that she was a contributor to the incarnate Christ. There are people in the world who do not believe in those things and in fact mock the Catholic Church about them. And so those sins directly offend Jesus himself. Okay, so that's when I see sins against her. These are, we don't want to consider Mary God. Okay, so we don't want to go down that route. That'd be a very poor, poor thing to to do. But when we say sins against her, primarily what we're talking about is when people do not give her the respect she is due, our Lord is extremely frustrated and angry about that. Okay, and, I, and honestly, it makes a lot of sense. Any person who were to make fun of my own mother, I'd probably want to punch him and slap him first before ever trying to have a conversation with him. It doesn't surprise me that our good Lord in his, in his wisdom and his humanity um, also would uh, think of, of, of something to that effect, even though that might be a bad example, but I think you get what I mean. And so again, the second condition, primary intention to make reparation to our lady for the sins of blasphemy and ingratitude against her. So those people that are ma making fun of Mary, those people, maybe even in our own families, who are who are ridiculing us because they have a very ill-advised view of Mary, we pray for them. And that's our primary intention with this first um, Saturday devotion. Now, here are the four things that you do. You go to confession. You receive Holy Communion as soon as you can, sometime within that week, preferably. You pray five decades of the rosary. And you spend 15 minutes meditating on the mysteries of the rosary. And some have, have said in the past, well, George isn't praying five decades and the 15 minutes of meditation, aren't they the same thing? And, and not necessarily, because technically, 
with the decade. You don't have to have a mystery associated with them. I know that might be a little little, little uh, new for some of you, but the rosary was not necessarily made uh, immediately for the sake of uh, the mysteries. They were made as a response to the layperson's prayer for the 150 Psalms. And so the reason why you said the, the rosary and you said 50 Hail Marys three times, 50 times 3 being 150, that was the lay response to what the monks did and that they prayed all 150 psalms. Now, throughout the years, particularly through St. Dominic and some of the other blesseds who gave us a more um, thorough teaching of Our Lady's Rosary, the mysteries then become an important theme of the rosary. And so, technically, yes, you could probably satisfy both conditions if you were to pray meditating the mysteries of, of the rosary as you are praying the five decades, but what I will say to you, and, and again, I'm not your spiritual director or anything, and, and so bring this back to your priests and others if if you have questions about it, but I would say still take an extra time, 15 minutes meditating on the mysteries on their own. So even after you get done praying the five decades of the rosary, how I have, have said that to my uh, mentees and to others who have asked me for advice, I have said, uh, take 15 minutes even after that rosary or soon after that rosary to maybe journal or if not, just reflect on what you did. Um, and that will, that will be sufficient. Why is this important? As we make this five Saturday's devotion, Our Lady is pleased with the acts of reparation that we have given her. And then in turn, she provides the graces through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit to provide that peace in our hearts, to be able to truly convert to God more more freely, to answer whatever prayers we need. Because remember, even though we give this primary intention to Our Lady, it does not mean that she will not answer the other intentions that we have. And so it's still important to keep in the back of your mind your personal intentions. Um, how I recommend it is, is what the, some of the spiritual giants in the church have, have recommended, which is offering Our Lady all of our needs at the forefront, those that we know and those that we don't know, and giving it to her so that in turn, as we make this act of reparation, she in turn then answers um, through, through, through her son whatever graces we need in that time. But nonetheless, the reason when we do this devotion and we share this devotion with others, it is a practical method to obtain peace in the world. A practical method. Now, some might say, well, how does this affect leaders? How does this affect others? Trust me when I say that God can do anything. And because he can do anything, you might be very surprised at the graces that you will receive if you just go down and do this devotion. Now, some pieces of advice if you're in a parish and you want to get this five Saturdays devotion started because it's kind of easy to forget that for the first Saturday of five consecutive months you do this devotion have a little group in your parish have a little subgroup committee whatever you want to call it come together um, talk with your priest pray about about it and then have reminders in your bulletin or have a sequence of callers so that you always have a connection going on about hey first Saturday's here and then um, please you know let's go ahead and and do this devotion. Another piece of advice is do it yourself first and see the pros and cons. I will say the cons come in terms of some of the discipline you need in terms of doing this, but the pros are many, and there's many of graces associated, and then use your witness to give it to your parish. But to conclude our thoughts for today, I want to briefly talk about um, how this connects to our world. And I will quickly say that if we have more peace in the world... It must come not from policy, 
not from big shifts of people, but most importantly, from every individual person converting to God. That is what's going to bring peace. And when I say converting to God, I'm not talking about the incorrect version of God. I'm talking about the authentic interpretation of God. And that authentic, true interpretation of God rests in the Catholic Church's hands. There are many people who do not follow that teaching and many people who might teach an error, but... The authentic truth comes from Christ and his church about who God the Father is. And so as we pray these prayers and as we ask for peace, we simply trust in our Lord through the ministry that Our Lady has been given through her vocation that we beg for assistance. And as we beg for help, our Lord will hear that, Our Lady will hear that, and throughout history, she has always answered. And like I said, in the end, my, being Mary's, my immaculate heart will triumph. That was one of her last messages there at Fatima, and one that we can hold true to today. In the end, my immaculate heart will triumph. Mary's immaculate heart will triumph. It won't be the evil one, and it won't be another power. It will be Mary's, because Christ has given that to her. And so with that, we'll go ahead and end and leave it for today. So thank you for listening to this One Body Show. And until next time, may God bless you, stay safe and well. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to One Body Stewarding God's Creation. Whether you're listening via radio, computer, phone app, or Amazon Echo, we appreciate you tuning in to Divine Mercy Radio. If you're a business that can help support this One Body show, please know you'll receive three underwriting spots per show, and the show runs five times a week. Plus, you'll be listed as a sponsor on the One Body page of Divine Mercy Radio's website. If interested, please call 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 88.1 KVDM Hayes, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and very soon, KJDM 101.7 in Salina. If today you hear his voice, Pardon, not your hearts. Stewarding God's creation.